welcome to the Hungry Authors Podcast. A hungry author is someone who is, quite simply, hungry for it. They're willing to do what it takes to achieve their writing dreams. If that resonates, you're in the right place. I'm Ariel. And I'm Liz. We're two book coaches, editors, and writers here to help you get there. We interview experts and chat about all things publishing and writing to educate and build a community of successful writers, whatever that means to you. Welcome. Let's get started. Hello, Hungry Authors. Ariel and Liz here. So this week, and actually for the next few weeks, we're going to be doing something a little different. We're taking a pause on interviews with amazing guests, even though we love doing all of that. We wanted to bring some important topics that we felt passionately about to you and let you know what's going on with our book and kind of explore these topics that um, we just have felt like we need to we need to comment on these things and we need to help writers. We also know that NaNoWriMo is coming up starting next week in November. So if you are not aware, NaNoWriMo stands for National Novel Writing Month, but for nonfiction writers, it can be National Nonfiction Writing Month. And the goal of NaNoWriMo is to write a 50,000 word book or piece of writing in 30 days. So the entire month of November, you are writing 50,000 words and it works out to about 1,667, I think, <laughs> words per day. So we wanted to bring you um, a series of posts, series of uh, podcasts about some topics that might be helpful to you if you are doing NaNoWriMo, but also just helpful to you in your writing life. So to start off for today, let's talk about what's going on with the Hungry Authors book, because it's been a little while since the first episode of Season 2, and we wanted to let you know just what's going on. So um, October 1st-ish, I think it was technically October 2nd, we turned in the first draft of the Hungry Authors manuscript. And so it went to our editor, and we really crammed in the month of September to get that thing done. It was... It was a bit of a haul in those last two weeks of September, not going to lie. I think we had a couple tense moments where we were like, I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know if we can get it done, Yeah, but we did it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we totally made it happen and we turned it in um, on time. And so really, yes, I that's true. But, yeah. A month remember from that original conversation, yes, our deadline was November 1st and we got it in on September 1st, basically. October. The first was like Sunday. So. Oh, wait. Yeah. October yes. month. I, <laughs> how do yeah. my It all blends together. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yes, we got it in on our personal deadline, which That's was right. a month before the publisher. The actual deadline. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and so at the same time, as we sent it to our editor, we also sent it out to beta readers. So we are expecting any day now feedback from all of our beta readers and from our editor. Mm -hmm. And so if you've never been through kind of this stage in the process, we're going to take the feedback from the beta readers and from the editor and kind of take a look at it on the whole and say, okay, what do we see as common trends here in the feedback? Like, does everybody hate chapter four? Okay. So clearly something is wrong with chapter four and we need to address that. Or mm -hmm. does everybody um, you know, does everybody think the ending's not working? And so we really need to fix the ending. 
And so when you're looking at feedback from beta readers and from, you know, from editors, especially like you want to kind of look for trends and see just what's not working overall and what is working overall. Like what are the parts of the book that everyone seems to really love and get behind? Cause those are the parts that you want to lean harder into. Yeah. So that's what we are going to be um, doing in the next couple weeks. And that's, that's what's going on with our book right now. Yeah. Yeah. Basically we get beta reader feedback and then at some point we'll get it back from our editor and decide which of the beta reader feedback and of course our editor's feedback we want to take and yep. rewrite. Yep. Um, okay. So that's where the book is. We're kind of in a holding process. The ball, the book ball is in other people's courts right now, which feels yes. kind of nice um, yeah. after that big push. Um, so we'll keep you posted on, yeah, what the, what the next round of the process looks like whenever we get, get it back. Eventually our editor will throw it back our way. And usually that's accompanied by a timeline since we start to know a little bit what, mm-hmm. um, production wise and you know, what, what actually needs to start happening when. So, um, okay. So today it's just a one-on-one with me and Ariel, which you might have already guessed. And we're going to be talking about memoir because memoir is tricky. It's maybe the trickiest genre in some ways. Now, Ariel and I don't really work on fiction and I'm sure all of them have their nuances but when it comes to nonfiction, memoir is tricky and everyone has thoughts about memoir that it's hard to sell it's you have to have this really really compelling interesting story that happened to you you have to be a celebrity even if you like don't have a huge um even if you're going to write memoir you have to try and build a platform but how do you build a platform around memoir is it important? Do you have to have the whole book written? But anyway, my point is there's all kinds of thoughts around memoir, but a lot of people, maybe even most of the people, I don't know, we'd have to pull, but, but a substantial portion of our audience wants to write memoir. And we saw a post on Instagram recently by Carly Waters. Now, I'm not looking at it right now. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'll share. So Carly Waters is a literary agent, and she's actually a co-host of a fantastic podcast as well, which is called The Shit No One Tells You About Writing. That's so, so good. Yeah. <laughs> it is a fantastic, it's more fiction oriented. So if you are a fiction writer, highly, highly recommend that podcast. Um, but they do occasionally talk about memoir on that podcast. And so Carly Waters posted this, um, this carousel on Instagram about why memoir is so hard to sell. And she said two things to remember. Number one, memoir must be accessible in the sense that we might have an access point to the story that we understand and can believe. Basically she's saying it has to be relatable in some way. And then number two, memoir must also be unbelievable in the sense that it is so unlike our own lives that we are wildly curious about this person's incredible and unique story that is very well told. So essentially she, okay, so the two things are number one, it has to be relatable, but also number two, it has to be unrelatable in some way. Like it has to also have something that is 
very unique and very unlike our normal lives. Um, so we're going to talk through some examples, but then there was a comment on her post from Lee Stein. So you want to share that? Yeah. Lee Stein, she does a lot of similar stuff that we do. She's an author. Um, I think she has written a memoir, but she also writes fiction. Um, and she's really pretty well known for her book talk stuff. She had a, uh, article go viral, go viral about book talk and how, uh, people are sleeping on book talk. And, um, anyway, she, she puts out really great content. Um, and she commented, commented on this post that most memoirists have a B story, which is something that happened to them, which pausing Lee's comment here to point out that Lee is calling that the B story, which I think most people that think about memoir would think of that as the A story or the main thing, right? What happened to you? I want to tell the story of what happened to me. She's calling it the B story here, continuing with her comment, but not a propulsive A story, which is something that they did. The non-famous people memoirs that sell gangbusters have great a stories an example of those would be like wild crying in h mart educated so having an a story and going on a real journey um not just an internal one um and when i read that comment it really clicked with me because i have been working on two memoir and ghost writing two memoirs for clients uh in the last year and just thinking a lot about memoir and why they sell or why they're interesting and lee's comment hit on exactly what i was having trouble putting into words which is that there are cases like celebrities super famous people where perhaps telling about what happened to you or just your more or less the outward things that came into your life more or less um not passively but you know that you unannounced or unannounced right welcomed yes not, not something that you wanted to happen right exactly <laughs> um that those sell those can sell great but to this to carly waters point you you often have to be like a well-known person or famous or that has to be extraordinary to make yes. it really interesting but there are there are lots of examples and ariel and i will get into this in a minute because we almost had like a mini debate about do you have to have an interesting story to write memoir because i can think of lots of examples where if you just spouted out the the headline of the story woman gets cheated on and decides to stay with her husband not that interesting not that common guys that is what love warrior is about one of the best-selling memoirs of the last 10 years glennon i'm talking about glennon doyle's memoir like i was i i actually take issue sometimes with the point that you have to have a really interesting and compelling story no doubt that it helps but i don't think that that's true i think what makes a book like love warrior really interesting if you don't have that insanely compelling story is number one lee stein's point the great a story mm -hmm. those authors um did something with what happened to them they go on a journey of their own they process that inf information 
an event in a really interesting, compelling, helpful, inspiring way. And they're insanely great writers. Like, you know, it, memoir is one of the hardest, maybe the hardest genre to write in if you just aren't freaking fantastic at writing. Yes. But going back to, well, going back to Lee Stein's comment, you know, and saying that most memoirists have a B story, something that happened to them. I mean, that is something I see all the time. And I feel like even recently I've had to give some aspiring memoir authors some tough love to say, look, you're, you know, you want to submit this proposal to publishers, but you don't really have a story here. Like you just have a list of things that happened to you and no doubt that those things were hard and you had to, you know, plumb the depths of your strength to overcome them. And that sucked <laughs> and it was transformative and it made you a better person. But to Lee's point, if you didn't have some kind of a story where you actually took action and where you were kind of owned your role as the hero of your story, then it's not going to be interesting. And I'll give you, I'm not going to share examples from, from clients, obviously, or people who have asked me for their, my opinion, but I'll share like from, from my own story. If I was going to write a story and I I've shared before on this podcast about like our struggle with infertility and stuff. If I was going to write a memoir about that, it would not be interesting for me to, to just say, you know, we had some miscarriages and we did rounds of IVF that were unsuccessful and we did rounds of IUI that were unsuccessful. And then our doctor told us we probably weren't going to have a good shot at having our own kids. Like all of that is sad and awful and, you know, but it's not, it's not interesting because nowhere in there have I said what I did to take action on that way. And so what Liz and I are kind of debating is does the way that you take action have to be extraordinary in some instance. So like maybe I could make my story if I were going to write a memoir about infertility <laughs> and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, cool. I have this set of circumstances that are bad, but I'm going to change them by going to Africa and like becoming an ambassador for children over there. Like, okay, that would be interesting because of my, you know, if, if the infertility like in was an instigator to something truly different and unique where I'm not just a passive recipient of miscarriages and, and infertility, but I'm actually taking some kind of pretty extraordinary action to mm -hmm. fight against those circumstances. Um, and there are plenty of memoirs that do have like extraordinary action that the, that the, uh, author has taken. So like educated Mm -hmm. Tara Westover, passive recipient of the fact that, she, you know, her family was uh, preppers and they didn't believe in education. But then she decided to basically lie her way into BYU and uh, get a college education mm -hmm. um, and then go on to be educated at Cambridge and stuff. So, like, most people who don't have an education are probably not going to do that. She did something extraordinary. Yep. Um, Wild by Cher Cheryl Strayed. Now, okay, this is a good okay. one because you and I have had a back and forth about this. Okay, okay, you say your take on Wild, and I'll say my take on Wild. All right, here's my take on Wild. Cheryl Strayed gets divorced. 
Her mom is dying of cancer, I believe. It's been a while since I've read it. She's um, dead already when she. Oh, she's okay. Yeah, so but she, yeah, she dies of cancer. But in the okay. when, she, when she hikes, she's dead already. Yeah. Okay, so her mom has passed away. She is also processing her divorce, and she decides, I am going to hike the Pacific Crest Trail, which is not the thing that most of us do when our mom passes away and we get divorced. Most of us are just like, oh no, this is so awful. I'm having a hard time. I'm going to keep living my life and go right. to my job and like mm -hmm. do, do normal life still. But she decides she's not going to do normal life still. She's going to go hike PCT. So what's your yeah. take on, on wild? Well, <clears throat> yeah. See, cause like in our columns, like this is a, you know, not the best uh, podcast content, but I'm looking at, uh, since it is an audio platform, I'm looking at a document and, and, and wild is in the extraordinary category right now, basically. And I probably wouldn't have put it there just because now, okay, you can make that, that this is just like for the, for the fun of this debate. Right. I actually don't now hiking the Pacific Crest trail alone as a young, she's like 26 when she does it, I think. Yeah, especially as somebody who, you know, she does a really great job of setting the scene of like, she's never even hiked before. She doesn't have any of the gear. She's completely unprepared, which is why she runs into the um, troubles that she does along the way. Um, but but I would actually argue that like hiking the Pacific Crest Trail is not that unique. Millions of people have done it and will That's continue true. to do it. So I, I wouldn't put it in the same category as like educated just because that feel like being a doomsday prepper who lives mm -hmm. completely off the map and then goes to be in heart. Like what I actually find really compelling about wild is that hiking the Pacific coast trail, it's not a normal reaction to grief, like you said, but yeah. it is in a, in a, it's that it is accessible to mm -hmm. most people, even if it's not the Pacific coast trail, you can go hike your way through grief if you want to. It's a pretty yeah. normal, common thing to do. And what makes Wild so compelling is Cheryl Strayed's writing of it. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's that unique of a story now. She also throughout the book, of course, flashes back and tells stories of what brought her there. That story is perhaps more unique in that she has the, her mother who's dying of cancer. She talks about you know, incredible amounts of abuse throughout her life, a lot of it from right. her grandfather. She gets divorced right before this too. So she sort of has right. all these factors that make the story more interesting and probably is unique. But I actually don't think mm -hmm. hiking the Pacific Coast Trail is that 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 unique. Um, well, that's actually an interesting point because I was just thinking of, so my husband and I, um, we climbed, we didn't hike, we actually like rock climbed mm -hmm. half dome in Yosemite. And that's where we got engaged. And I was like, if I was going to write a memoir about that, like that was definitely a momentous, you know, point in my life, not just because we got engaged at the top, but just because doing something that hard was a transformative experience for me. Right. But again, my, this is why I'm not writing a memoir. Cause <laughs> I don't think that would be an interesting story for me to just be like I met this guy we fell in love we decided to do this crazy mountain climb to the mm -hmm. top of Half Dome and then we got engaged the end like right. <laughs> there's right. no and what's what that story is missing is mm -hmm. the internal journey right mm -hmm. because there's no like 
there's no catalyst of something bad that happened to me in that story mm-hmm. that then launched me on this internal journey that I resolved externally. Yeah. That hopefully that no, makes sense totally. to everyone. But like, yeah. I think what we're seeing here is you kind of need these, these two pieces. You have to have the B story of something that happened to you where there was some kind of internal catalyst that launches you on this journey, mm-hmm. but you still have to take external action. And that's the A story. Yeah. But let's have another discussion about that external action, because I would say Love Warrior, you know, Glennon Doyle. So if you haven't read Love Warrior, basically early on in the book, Glennon Doyle comes to realize, well, her husband confesses during the middle of a therapy session, spoiler alert for Love Warrior, it's been out 10 years, you should have read it by now. Um, her husband confesses that he's been cheating on her for a really long time, many, many years, um, with just with total strangers. It's not an emotional affair. He just has sex. He travels a lot and has been having sex Mm. with lots of random women, never seeing them again. Mm. So she finds this out. And then the whole book is basically her, um, trying to decide what to do. Is she going to stay? Is she going to go? She doesn't physically go anywhere except for her small town in Florida. She goes to therapy, does a lot of therapy. She explores different modalities. She gets into like breathing technique. She starts walking on the beach. She uh, eats different things. She mm-hmm. explores her childhood some do- and, and figures out like some of what led her to be in this position. What she does, and I think what um, other people do in similar memoirs, we'll talk about another one in a minute called A Three Dog Life, but what what Glennon Doyle does so well is she takes the thing that happened to her and she turns it over. She turns it this way and she turns it this way and she examines it here. She she figures out what it means, not just what she's going to do, although that's a lot of it, but she she sort of like turns it over in her mind and she examines all the angles of it. And again, she's a brilliant writer, so... She's got that going for her, but you know, there's a scene in uh, Love Warrior that I probably have talked about on this podcast before. I can't remember what chapter, but there's a a scene where her husband they're uh, reconnecting, basically. And the irony is that at the end of Love Warrior, she decides to stay with her husband, and then right. it was a year or two later that she falls in love with Abby Wambach and marries a woman. Right. But anyway, for the sake of the this particular time in her life, she's reconnecting with her husband and she's hungry and she's sitting at the table and she, her husband says, um, I'll make you a hamburger. And, um, the entire chapter is basically just him making the hamburger and her eating it. Hmm. But what she does about what it means for her, him to Hmm. make the burger, feed it to her, satisfy her for her to eat it and enjoy it and not feel guilty about it and allow herself to be served and loved by him. She's examining this. She takes this one simple thing and she blows it up into this incredibly powerful moving thing because of her raw talent and because of her um, ability to make meaning out of what is happening. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that, in my opinion, because 
the the a story like going on you doing something with what happened i don't know that it has to be a real external thing like you know like you and i really like um jenny uh jenny ag jenny ag yeah now full disclosure i have not read her book her memoir that came out okay but a lot of jenny's blog i read read her blog a lot or i Mm -hmm. did for many years and like going back to the fertility example like she does things she takes action but that's actually not the compelling part of her writing it's about describing what those experiences mean to her and and that revealing making clear to others who have been in that situation or even not what it means to them I don't know like what's your reaction to any of that yeah I think that's I think that's very true like I'm thinking of how to stay married by Harrison Scott Key which was like my favorite memoir that I've read I've read a lot of memoirs this year I think that's my favorite yeah and in that story kind of similar to love warrior you know he discovers that his wife has been having a long-term affair Mm -hmm. um it is an emotional affair just with one the same person for many years and he didn't know about it um and kind of their you know their journey through that and deciding to stay together as well Mm -hmm. and the reason why i loved it is because it's hilarious right you would not expect so i mean obviously not not a funny topic not Mm -hmm. a funny thing to have happened to him. And yet it is both heartbreaking and humorous throughout the entire book. And his ability to render that in his writing is pretty extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I guess you're, you are kind of changing my mind on the extraordinary thing, but I still, I still want some kind of action. Oh, here's what I was going to say about love warrior. Mm -hmm. And I have not read love warrior. So you tell me, did does she spend a lot of times just describing her feelings because i think the mm. mistake that i see authors making when when it's more of an internal journey than the external journey mm-hmm. is they spend a lot of time explaining how they feel rather than showing how they feel so it sounds like in the meaning like i think hearing you describe love warrior some memoir memoirists would hear that and think, oh, I do that. Like I'm, I'm explaining the meaning that I'm making of these things, even though I'm not going on a propulsive A story. Um, but Hmm. there's often still something missing there. And in my mind, it's probably because they're, they're not doing enough showing. They're still doing too much telling. So how does, how does, um, Cheryl, I'm sorry. How does, um, Glennon Doyle balance yeah. the showing and telling in her book? That's a good question. Um, it's been a while since I've read it. I mean, you, <laughs> a different kind of memoir that, you know, I know you didn't enjoy, but same writing, same uh-huh. kind of writing, you know, she wrote Untamed much more recently. So right. Um, very, again, different kind of memoir, but still the same author so it it follows it's very much like untamed so in when we when it comes to like actual sentence structure you know there's not a lot of i felt this i feel this it made me feel this that's you know she doesn't do that um 
but she does talk about her feelings a lot, but, but not like that. Like, right. I don't know. It's just talent guys. <laughs> you just have to be a good writer. Um, but this no, is why you have to read so much to see how yeah. amazing memoirists do, you, you know, know, how yeah. they handle their emotions through mm-hmm. hard things. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, like, okay, this is, <laughs> this is gauche to like, talk about myself and hold up me as an example or something, but I'm going to do it now because I know you have read this piece that I wrote. Mm. This was a long time ago. This is before I even had my son and he just turned four, but, um, I wrote a piece on medium like four or five years ago. That's about me going to acupuncture. Right. And it's just one acupuncture session. And, um, It's like what I wanted to do there is take the one acupuncture session and not describe how I, you know, there's not of light, not not a lot of actual language that sounds like I felt this, Mm -hmm. but you're taking the acupuncture session and um, through that revealing through my feelings on acupuncture, revealing a lot of what had led me there, which was some struggles to get pregnant and some uh, pessimism and, you know, uh, just skepticism about this whole thing. It is funny, if I can say that. It's usually, my my stuff usually has a little bit of an edge of humor to it. but, But I feel like that's, um, that's kind of what I like in that piece. I'm clearly like mimicking people that I want to be like Glenn and Doyle being one of them. And so my point in, in mentioning it is that, um, you're taking like a pretty normal thing and again, turning it over and using it to show something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that's just what good writers do. And you're right. There's not like a, a, a lot of like, I felt this, um, it's more like stronger statements, you know, yeah. like that's what Glennon does a lot of that. I think, um, it's not mm-hmm. like I felt sad, but, um, gosh, now I'm going to like struggle to reach for an example, but, um, but I think it's more just statements about life. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't have an example on hand either, but it's like, if you can, if you can make a statement and say, this experience that I'm having right now reveals a truth about life. Yeah. I think that's going to be more powerful and that is going to convey emotion to your reader without you having to say, I felt sad. I felt X. Yes. Like, listen to this. I just Googled quotes from love warrior. Grief is love's souvenir. It's our proof that we once loved. Grief is the receipt we wave in the air that says to the world, look, love was once mine. I love well. Here is my proof that I paid the price. Mm. Yeah. She doesn't say, I feel sad. I loved something and it was lost. Like that is, but don't you get those? Like you understand how she's feeling through those beautiful words like 
We know what the world wants from us. We know we must decide whether to stay small, quiet, and uncomplicated or allow ourselves to grow big, loud, and complex as we were made to be. Every girl must decide whether to be true to herself or true to the world. Every girl must decide whether to settle for adoration or fight for love. Yeah. There's a strength in those. Yeah. There's like, there's definitely power in those words. And by power, I mean, like she's owning her power. The emotion that I get in Mm -hmm. those quotes you just shared is like, I have been through a hard thing and I am proud of myself. Yeah. But she doesn't say that. We just Mm -hmm. know that. (laughs) Yeah. And in the meaning making and the interpretation of what's happening to, uh, you know, to some degree, exhort and inspire the reader. She's saying like, this is our proof that we loved well. Look, here is my proof. I paid the price. We know what the world Mm -hmm. wants from us. You don't hear a lot of I language in it, right? Right. Like it's powerful. She's speaking on behalf of the reader. She's almost talking to the reader. Yep. Um, Yeah. And again, this, you know, there's not a lot of um, (laughs) like, okay, this is, we might have to up our rating on, uh, on, Inst- I mean, uh, the, our podcast platform, because we're about to, uh, I'm about to say a curse word, but <laughs> like she says, no woman on earth doesn't give a fuck. No woman is that cool. She's just hidden her fire. Likely it's burning her up. Like mm-hmm. she's interpreting, she feels that probably, right? That's how mm-hmm. she knows that she feels it. She's not talking about, she's not talking in first person. She's talking right. about you you know what I mean? Yes. Um, yes. anyway, that's a great example. Um, so that's anyway, a great example of how you show emotions without, without it being feeling super emotional, yeah. <laughs> you know, it feels right. empowering mm-hmm. because it is so relatable, but it's her writing that makes it extraordinary. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so let's to- land it. Yeah, let's let's land this plane. All right. So we've we've had a little debate, but I think we can both agree. Like Lee Stein said, you need the B story and an A story. Mm-hmm. And that A story can be something extraordinary that you do, or it can be a an extraordinary way yes. that you process and make meaning yeah. through your writing. Yeah. So there has to be something extraordinary, but it can be either your actions. Mm-hmm. or your writing ideally maybe both mm-hmm. um yeah what else well because the last example that i said i would mention and then i didn't so i will real quickly now is um a three dog life which oh, yes. is you know at least 10 years old now i think abigail thomas um this is one of the books that mary carr she she wrote the art of memoir she's kind of held up as like godmother of teaching memoir she has a list of the top however many i don't know it's a bunch 50 or something memoirs you should read if you want to write memoir and a three dog life is on there and it's up there too i think it's like top 10 because i started going down the list and i didn't get all that far but i got to a three dog life so (laughs) um but it's basically about a woman whose husband she's uh later in life like 50s 60s um her husband suffers a brain injury and um has to live full-time in a nursing home now and doesn't know who she is and is just Mm. basically a completely different person and more or less uh absent from her life in the in any meaningful way or in the way that he was before 
Mm-hmm. And in the the um, book is just about her processing that. And in the course of it, she gets three, she acquires three dogs. And again, like going back to our, like, it's not that interesting of a pitch. If you say it that way, like she, her husband suffers a brain injury, not, I mean, devastating, but not insanely uncommon to have a medical issue in your family. And she goes and she gets three dogs. But Mary Carr wants you to read this book because it's about what the way that Abigail Thomas talks about this experience, the way she goes through it, she moves through it. She doesn't go, you know, live in three different countries and find new love again. She gets three dogs, you know, Um, but it's absolutely outstanding because Abigail Mm -hmm. Thomas is really talented and she um, turns over that experience in her mind and explains it to the reader in a way that everyone can kind of relate to, to some degree. And yeah, this is what makes memoir so tricky, right? You and I even sometimes have trouble explaining why it's so good. It's like, what's that? You know, like there's a quote from a um, Supreme Court justice talking about like pornography, which is like a weird, weird uh, (laughs) comparison I'm about to make, but they're like, I don't know. They're like, how do you define it? And he's like, I don't know, but I know it when I see it. Like sometimes I feel that way about memoir. And I've even heard editors and agents mentioned that before. They're like, I don't really know, but when you read it, it's undeniable. That's right. So um, I don't know if that's helpful for people, but it's hard. This is why it's hard to teach memoir because, you know. uh, Well, I would say. Prescriptive. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I would say if, you know, if you want to write a memoir, figure out, do I have an extraordinary A story, meaning I went out and did something crazy in response to the hard thing that happened to me? Or do I have the more internal A story where I'm going to process these hard things, but I need to do it in an extraordinary way Mm -hmm. and go out and read books like that. So we've just listed a bunch of them. We can list more in the show notes. Um, We'll put, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out how to, how to do that in the show notes, but, um, you know, read a lot of books, especially if you are writing a more internal journey that you have been on, Mm -hmm. the quality of your writing is going to be what makes or breaks the book. And especially if you want to pursue traditional publishing, then the quality of the writing has to be the thing that shines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And this is why even big time celebrities sometimes who get eight figure book deals, their memoirs often do not sell that well Yeah, because even for them, they have to have these elements. They have to have good writing and they have to have some kind of an A story. Um, you know, the best selling, even the best selling celebrity memoirs, do this really well. There's tons of examples of celebrity memoirs and they get a big book deal because they are a celebrity or they had some crazy thing happen to them. And then they flop because even that's not enough sometimes to sustain um, like reader interest. Um, But anyway, hopefully that's helpful and maybe even fun for you guys just to listen to us go back and forth about what makes a memoir um, interesting and and compelling. Yeah. And if you're interested in writing memoir, um, make sure you've just deeply examined your A story and that you're not just talking about what happened to you, um, but what you did with it. That's right. And that's, um, that's the real thing that most memoirs are, are missing, frankly, wouldn't you say? Because most Absolutely. people that come to us, they're like, I, I just want to tell about what happened to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, it's not enough. All right, friends. Good luck. 
Thanks for being part of the Hungry Authors community. If you like this episode, could you do us a huge favor? Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We would so appreciate it. You can also follow us on Instagram at hungryauthors or hungryauthors.com, our website, to get more information about our masterclasses and upcoming episodes. Remember that you have a story and a message worth publishing. And if you've got the hunger, you can make it happen. Thank you.